to the Feeling Lighter podcast by We Shape, where we shed old beliefs that no longer serve us one episode at a time. The bottom line is how we feel about ourselves changes everything. Sure does. Yes. Definitely. Uh, I'm here. I'm your host, Katie. I'm here with Dr. Lisa Folden, and Tyler's joining us today. Hi. Welcome, everyone. I'm going to jump right in because our episode today is about nervous system regulation. Something we all probably need a little more of, yeah. huh? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, big yes, time. Yes, big time. So I want to jump into our, our guest. Her name is Elizabeth Kristoff. Uh, she has an MA and is an expert in nervous system health for trauma resolution and behavior change. She is the founder of the Brain Based Wellness, an online platform that trains the nervous system and body to resolve old patterns, improve performance, and increase well being. She is the co host of the Trauma Re- Rewired podcast that teaches you about your nervous system, how trauma lives in the body, and what you can do to heal. Elizabeth is a certified applied neurology and somatics practitioner who has been in the wellness industry since 2007. She works with entrepreneurs, athletes, leaders, and creatives to improve resilience, manage stress, and regulate emotions through intentional science-based brain training. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're really excited to dive into this because um, I've been doing some nervous system work for the last two years, and it is a game changer. Uh, Before we dive into that, I'd love to know what brought you into this work. Like, how did how did you get how did you get here? Yeah, well, I was working in health and wellness for a long time. I had a couple movement studios here in Austin, and I started studying applied neurology for athletic performance and for pain management, fell in love with it and went through a long time of education for that. And then my life hit one of those points where the floor kind of falls out from underneath you. I was under a ton of stress myself. A lot of unresolved childhood trauma came back at that time. And that pushed me into my own somatic healing journey. And when I was in that place, I really saw that the framework of applied neurology and having these really practical, actionable tools to help rehabilitate the nervous system could have such an impact on somatic healing as well and and processing trauma. And so I began to weave these modalities together, working with a bunch of different experts, uh, starting with myself and my own complex trauma um, and the outputs that I was facing in my life, like binge eating and migraine and chronic pain. And then transition that into the online platform, Brainbase, where we help others to train their nervous system. And um, and then also we have a, a training for therapists and medical practitioners to bring these tools into that space too. Wow. wow. I mean, a lot of the guests that I like to bring on the podcasts are touching on things that I consider like root things, right? Like not surface level stuff that are tips and tricks to get us to blah, blah, blah. It's more around like, what is like a root thing embodied in our mind and in our body that can make big shifts? So um, I want to start by asking, what is neurosomatic intelligence? You mentioned that, and I, I'd love to understand that better. Yeah, so neurosomatic intelligence is really when we have the ability to recognize, we have, first of all, we have an awareness that we have a nervous system, and that is our operating system. And it's always taking in information from the world around us, and then our brain is interpreting what that information means, and then it's generating an output. And those outputs can be either protective 
or performance, like understanding that at the end of the day, our brain's primary job is our survival. And so the output that it generates is going to be geared towards our survival first. And so when we have neurosomatic intelligence, we're taking a different look at our behavior and really thinking about what are the inputs coming in? And how is my brain interpreting those inputs that then is creating a certain output? So rather than like starting with the output, how do I stop binge eating? How do I stop having chronic pain all the time? How do I stop having panic attacks? Flipping that around, how do I recognize what sensory inputs are coming in, where the deficits in my nervous system are and how my brain is interpreting those to generate those outputs? Let me focus on the inputs first and then let that create a new output so that we really see like we have all these different inputs coming into our nervous system and we have an ability to intentionally change those inputs to produce positive adaptation in the nervous system. And that allows for increased regulation, performance, behavior change and trauma repatterning. But we're, we have an awareness of that deep root level. So, so if I were to reword that a little bit, just to make sure the listeners understand and make sure I understand too, you know, say we want to stop binge eating or something like that. What most people do is try to white knuckle it, right? And just change their habit and then that's it. But what I'm hearing you say, I think is say you find yourself in the middle of the habit that you're trying to change. Maybe take a moment to reflect on what happened before you started doing that. How did that feel? What were the triggers? What were the things that happened to you? And start building the awareness around the things that lead you to the outcome that you're trying to change, not just trying to white knuckle through the outcome. Is that what I'm hearing you say to a certain degree? Yes, definitely. That's part of it, right? Having that awareness. And then when we're working with the nervous system directly, and binge eating is a really great example, and I can give a, a personal example of that. But when we're working with the nervous system, it's even more than like, what was the things that I was doing before that? But like, what are the chronic deficits in my nervous system, like issues with my visual system or the balance system in my inner ear or my breathing that are causing that chronic stress day in, day out that are pushing my body and my nervous system into a place where I have to have this behavior in order to calm down, to get out of that high stress state. And so binge eating for me is something I'm intimately familiar with. I was a binge eater my whole life, starting from a very early age. And a huge reframe for me was understanding that that output, that behavior is protective. I grew up, like I said, I have a high A score. As a little kiddo, I was under a lot of stress. Chronic stress for a long time is dangerous, dangerous for our nervous system. It leads to a disease state inside of the body. And one of the most adaptive ways that my brain and my nervous system found to get me to reduce the stress load and give my body a break from all that cortisol, from all the muscle tension, from the high activation was to eat a bunch of food. It would give my vagus nerve stimulus. It would give my anterior insula stimulus. I would literally come into more of a calm and respond, rest and digest state. And I needed to be able to get out of that high stress state because it's unhealthy to stay in for so long. So my brain and my nervous system were driving me into a behavior that would allow me to regulate, self-regulate, even if it's somewhat maladaptive and not something I want to do in that moment. 
for my body and my nervous system, that is safer. And my survival brain lives in the moment. What's going to reduce the stress load right now? Yeah, and then that becomes a well-worn path. <laughs> that is, I mean, just my mind's like, boom, just yeah. exploding. I think, again, I'm, I'm hearing you say um, that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, are you, do you view people's um, habits that they don't want to do as a way to regulate the nervous system, right? Is everything that we're doing, whether it's um, binge eating or overworking or anything like that. This is just our own way of regulating ourselves based on unresolved trauma and unresolved ability to calm the nervous system. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really do. I <laughs> Basically. Mean, yeah. Ooh, that's going to take a I like that. Everything that we experience in our life is we take in that experience from our nervous system mm -hmm. and from our brain everything we experience feel think it's because we have a brain and a nervous system and again these at a deep level are survival oriented first and i'm talking about the autonomic nervous system the brain stem yeah. the parts that are below the level of your consciousness and so even though a lot of these behaviors drinking or cannabis use or eating a bunch of food or social media scrolling to numb out it's not that we those may not align with our long-term goals or what we cognitively want for our life. But again, in that moment, it does provide us with stress relief mm -hmm. and regulation, even if it's not necessarily what we think we want. I like that you say that because I think that reduces some of the stigma around some of the behaviors. Totally. Um, because it's, it's like, we're trying to survive and I engage with people when we're talking about like emotional eating and they're like oh I was just you know so stressed and I have to stop doing that and sometimes I'm like I mean you were just trying to cope you know like mm -hmm. it was the mm -hmm. kindest thing you could think of or could could your body could come up with in that moment to help you get through that that scenario um I want to go back because you talked about aces and I'm very familiar with aces my practice is very trauma-informed and I believe trauma is really important to be aware of so that especially if you're working with people but just in case the listeners aren't aware can you just say what aces are and talk about like the relationship to aces and trauma and how you know it helps you do the work that you do in working through all of that unresolved stuff that all of us have <laughs> yeah i've never heard of yeah. that before oh great i'm so glad you brought that up then so ace stands for adverse childhood experience and there was a big study done with Kaiser Permanente uh, with a doctor, Dr. Vincent Folletti. Um, I believe it was in the 90s, the early 90s. It might have started in the 80s, basically where they started testing um, to look at people's level of developmental trauma, childhood trauma, and then their health outcomes that they experienced later in life. And they tracked, I think it was 17,000 people for a, a long period of time. And that was the beginning of this research. There's been a lot more since then. And there is a correlation between having certain adverse childhood experiences. Um, it can range from anything to having a parent that's incarcerated, uh, domestic abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, divorce, emotional neglect. These all fall under the ACE score um, questionnaire. And the higher your ACE score is, the more likely you are to have addiction, to um, have you know, other maladaptive behaviors, but even more than that, to have autoimmune disease, to have cancer, to experience heart disease. Mm -hmm. And people with an ACE score of six or higher 
have statistically a truncated lifespan of 20 years, which is a big deal. Oh my God. Um, huge. It was a great study too, but lots of good information from that. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I thought of when you were talking about this idea that our, our, we learn behaviors to self-regulate, right? You, you both have brought up ideas around behaviors that are perceived by society as bad. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important to um, acknowledge behaviors that we get praised for. Yeah. Mm, so totally. I'll give you a personal example of this. Um, when I get anxious, I organize and clean my house. Uh, I get anxious a lot, so my house is very tidy. And people come over and will be like, how is your house so clean with children? Like, like praise, 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 yeah. praise, praise. And then yeah. I'm like, oh my God, it's like literally a coping mechanism. And, yeah. and what I do is I actually have awareness around it now before I just would hypervigilantly clean. And now I go, you're cleaning because you're stressed. Okay. Like we're going to do that. But I get praised for that. And that's not necessarily something that should be praised because it's actually coming from nervous system dysregulation and probably a trauma I have unresolved. Right. But I just think it's important. Like I used to get praised for hypervigilance around healthy eating. Yeah. And it was like, oh, mm. that's a that's a nervous system regulation pattern that's actually being praised by society, but it's actually coming from a really unresolved place in myself. Oh, you just so, ruined that for me. Right. <laughs> so, so, I'm, <laughs> the I'm the same. My house is super. And people yeah. said all oh, this. You have three kids. How's it so clean? And I'm like, oh, proud. And I'm like, oh, oh damn no. it. It's so, my yeah. neurotic tendencies <laughs> because I'm so totally. overly anxious. So I'm cleaning. Wow. So, yeah. so we've kind of so unpacked many. a little bit. Sorry about, about that, Lisa. About, <laughs> okay. So we've kind of unpacked a little bit about kind of where people's, you know, habits are coming from, this dysregulation of the nervous system. Like, help us and the listeners understand, where do we start? How do we start connecting with our nervous system and recognizing these patterns or these states that we're in? And how do we maybe start to change that so that we don't have to worry about changing the behavior so much, but we just change the nervous system side of things? That's a great question, because I think a lot of this information can be real heavy, especially when we talk about ACE scores and understanding our own maladaptive behavior um, as a link to our nervous system. And it really helps to know that there are practical, actionable ways that you can work with the nervous system to create change. One of the most important things to remember is that we are neuroplastic beings. Our brain and our nervous system are always responding to the stimulus that's coming in and always adapting. And so neuroplasticity, we say on on the site a lot, is the science of hope because it tells us that there's that we're never done changing. When we understand how the system works, then we have some agency over the stimulus that's coming in so that we can start to drive that change in a positive direction to create the outputs that we want to experience. We can move on that spectrum from protective to performance, to being able to be embodied, to being able to be present with other people, to not having to clean our house if we're really super stressed out, which is okay. But not if it means that we're adding to a stress load that's never getting resolved Mm -hmm. in our body. Um, and that, that perfectionism, yeah, absolutely can be a trauma response. Um, so a lot of what we do on, on the brain based site is teach people practical neural exercises that you use to begin to rehabilitate these different input systems, stuff for your eyes, stuff for the balance system in your inner ear, body mapping, 
And you just make it a daily practice of working with your nervous system to provide it some positive stimulus and help it create that change in the direction that it wants. And it doesn't need to be a lot. It can be as little as like three to five minutes a day, just like you would brush your teeth every day, or you would want to get some movement every day. It's just a nervous system hygiene practice. Mm -hmm. And as we start to incorporate that in, we get capacity. We get capacity in our nervous system to start to handle the stress of the world without moving into the same responses over and over again. That's beautiful. Do you mind sharing like one simple yeah. thing that somebody could try? Yeah. So um, I'll do a very simple tool and know that there's lots and lots of tools and everybody has to assess and reassess what works for their own unique nervous system. But one really simple tool that works for a lot of people on the site is actually tongue movement. So our vagus nerve innervates our tongue. And when we get tongue movement, we're stimulating the vagus nerve. And that often helps people to calm down. So you would want to do an assessment first, like just test a range of motion, or you could test your vocal tone so that we know that this is stimulus that's moving your nervous system in a positive direction because everybody's nervous system is different and unique. That's always really important to remember. So you might just speak a little bit, test that, or maybe turn your head side to side and see how much range of motion you have in your neck. Do you have tension in your body anywhere? Rate that on a scale of one to 10. And then we're just going to take our tongue over our teeth, but under our lips and make some big, slow circles. So you want to keep your mouth closed, circle your tongue over your teeth and try to reach a further back molar each time. And I would do like five circles in each direction. See if you can really feel the sensation of that to feel your tongue on your teeth and just circle it as big as you can five times, go the other direction five times and then stop. Take a breath in, take a nice, long, slow exhale, give your system a beat to adapt to that. And then you would just reassess, reassess, turning your head side to side. Notice if you have more range of motion, retest your vocal tone. If I had actually done that exercise with you guys, you would probably hear my vocal tone drop because my vocals are getting more relaxed and um, you can take a fuller, deeper breath and your tension and pain might reduce a little. And so it's just, if that was positive for you, tuck that in your back pocket. And the next time you're starting to feel that escalation inside of yourself, muscle tension, maybe palms getting a little sweaty, jaw clenching, stop and do five tongue circles in one direction, five in the other direction, take a breath with a nice, long, slow exhale, and just start to repattern that activation by giving your nervous system some some stimulus can i clarify really quick so are, are we is that a good exercise to practice if we're like in kind of fight or flight or is that like a good hygiene to practice every day or both um that's a great question um so the best way to use that particular tool is usually when we're more activated okay. so if we're moving into more of a fight or flight response if you're feeling like you're shutting down you actually may not want more vagus stimulation. So if you're all the way to feeling like you are getting brain fog, you're very heavy, you can't um, speak very clearly, then that might not be the right tool for that particular moment. Um, so that one is definitely for if you're getting more activated. And then if it's something that your nervous system responded positively to, 
it would be also okay to use that as a part of your daily hygiene practice. Then we know like, okay, this is stimulus that my nervous system likes. I got a positive adaptation because I got more range of motion. My vocal tone dropped. I feel better when I do this, my pain decreased. So I'm going to give that constant stimulus throughout the day or in the morning as part of my nervous system hygiene practice. And you can know that that's like one of your good go-to drills. We'll be back in just a moment. As a reminder, the Feeling Lighter podcast is a part of WeShape, a fitness app that is taking a very different approach. And I wanted to let everyone know about our upcoming Best Moves For You Masterclass that WeShape is hosting that you can sign up for free. Take a look at weshape.com forward slash class or click the link in the show notes. And now back to the Feeling Lighter podcast. What, so what kind of I, play with it a little yeah, bit. What I love about what you're saying here, and I don't want the listeners to glance over it, is you're um, encouraging people to test, retest, mm-hmm. and make sure that this is an appropriate um, drill or movement or technique for them to actually regulate the nervous system. And so if, if listeners are listening, you know, when, when we're talking about range of motion tests, you know, like, like, um, like Elizabeth saying, uh, you can bring your ear to your shoulder and look in the mirror and say, how much range of motion do I have that you do the drill? And if you feel like you have more range of motion, then it's a sign that your nervous system has gone into a more relaxed state because the muscles are more relaxed. You can do this by bending forward and reaching to touch your toes is another good example of this. But um, I just love that test retest method because it's going to give you a sense of like, there's probably a few of these that are going to impact you really meaningfully. And there's probably a few of these that aren't going to work all that well for you. And if you just do the ones that somebody tells you to do without getting that actual nervous system feedback, you might be just wasting your time and efforts. Yeah. And I want to highlight something really important. Like I want to zoom out even further because what I have learned, and I'd love your perspective on this, Elizabeth, as it pertains to nervous system work and nervous system regulation is that many of us, are conditioned and trained to be in a world that says your mind and your body are not connected. The feedback you get from your body is not to inform the mind. The mind is to overpower the body, like no pain, no gain, push through. Like you might be on a diet and you might feel like shit, but you're still doing it, right? We have literally been conditioned and trained to not listen to the signals of our body. And so I just think it's an important launch pad to know that we're going into it with that. Because what you're talking about is stopping connecting the mind and the body and like letting those two things talk to one another. And that takes practice because we were not trained to do that. It really does. And it is, it can be difficult at first to feel those sensations from the body, especially because we do live in a culture that disconnects us from our, our body or teaches us to push through. Also, if we're someone who has a high level of dissociation, um, disconnect from the body that we started to learn probably pretty early in life, kept us safe. Um, Coming back into the body and feeling those sensations can actually be a little bit scary, a little bit activating, a little bit overwhelming. So you wanna do it little by little. And that's why also too, I really like using a range of motion because it's a, a little bit more objective and you don't have to go as deep internally as to like feeling the internal sensations. You can just look like, yeah, is my ear closer to my shoulder or not? You can video yourself, you can look in the mirror. And and then over time, as you work with your nervous system, there becomes again, that increased capacity to start to come into the body, to hear those signals with more accuracy, less threat, and and to be embodied without it 
being overwhelming or scary. Oh, I'm so happy you said this because I started a meditation practice a handful of years ago. And I think that some people think that, oh, this is great. You can just find inner peace by starting a meditation practice. But my experience for the first couple of years was uh, insane amount of racing thoughts and then memories coming up. And it was like almost like a hypervigilant like trauma examination. And I feel like it worked out for me somewhat t uh, in the long run um, because I was consistent with it. But I could see how a lot of people would just connect with their bodies and just immediately be like, I don't want to go here. They don't even know why. And I think that's so important to mention that creating safety and peeling back the onion one safe layer at a time is so important. Because if we just go straight to the, the wound that's really deep, um, there's a good chance that it might actually activate the nervous system more and put you into a much worse state. Has that been your experience? with people? Yeah, I see it with clients a lot. And especially when you're working with folks that have complex trauma, um, meditation is really powerful. It's a really powerful tool. And mm -hmm. it can also have really powerful outputs that come with that from people who are not used to being in the body. And they learned at an early age as an adaptive response to disconnect from their body. And it can feel very, very unsafe. And so I see a lot of people when they start a meditation practice and they go too much, too fast, too soon into that, there is long periods of insomnia. There's flashbacks. There's other protective outputs of the nervous system that they start to experience, like their pain actually increases or migraines start to increase. Um, those racing thoughts that you were talking about and like, yes, we all have some internal chatter and that's different from getting pushed into a really big trauma response reaction of flight where everything is, the volume is really turned up on everything and we get in that stress cycle that can be hard to come out of, especially also too, because in meditation, a lot of times you're sitting still, maybe you're closing your eyes, that can be really threatening. And then you have this big stress response happening in the body and you're trying to force yourself to sit still when your body is being primed for movement to release that stress and complete the cycle. Oh, I love that. I love that. So help a, help help a listener connect to that. So, you know, we're trying out meditation or breathing or one of these techniques and something comes up and makes us feel even more uncomfortable that makes us feel like we want to move. At that point, what is it that we're doing to release that from our body? Because one thing I know for sure is that the body holds on to those memories and that tension. When you work with somebody for long enough and you end up doing a stretch or doing a manual movement on somebody and they just burst into tears, you really see that the body holds all of these emotional experiences. It sure does. So if that starts to come up for you, what I would suggest is listen to your body. If you feel like I need to get up and move, do it. One of the best things you can do is just stomp your feet. Our, our stress response actually also begins in our bones. Um, there's a stress hormone that's released from the bones. And as we complete our stress cycle, the bones need impact and movement to give a signal to the body that you know, we've been preparing, our stress response is preparing us to fight or to run in a real literal way. Yeah. And so when our bones get that impact and movement, it can send a signal to the brain that we are completing that stress cycle. We can come down out of that state. And so getting some like good impact to your bones, stomping like heavy steps, um, maybe twisting your body side to side and letting your arms kind of hit your trunk so that they're hitting the rib cage and those bones are getting a little impact. Um, even just like shaking and taking some forceful exhales can help start to gradually move that through rather than just trying to 
override it and be like, I gotta sit here, I gotta stay focused. Yeah. In that That's moment, like, give yourself a pass. Yeah, because you feel like in meditation, like I have to do this right, so I need to sit here mm. and <laughs> be very quiet and get in touch. But I think, I think, first of all, I love this whole idea of nervous system hygiene, like. That's my new word. And, <laughs> and when you said neuroplastic, neuroplasticity is the science of hope, oh, uh, like yeah. chills. So many, so many, so many takeaways. But I want to know, because of like what, what Tyler is here talking about, is this sort of dialogue, is this why it's probably important to work with someone when we're talking about like introduction to the mm. nervous system and regulation? Is this maybe something you don't want to just send people off on their own to kind of research and figure it out because of all the stuff that comes up? Yeah, I I do recommend working with someone. I mean, we all have a nervous system, we have an operating system, but we're not taught much about it. Right. And it can be really overwhelming to start to try to figure this out on your own. And um, just like you guys were talking about before, it, it, there's different responses to different things. And that is why we need to assess and reassess because when we're working with the nervous system, in always equals one. Everybody has their own life experiences, their own habitual movement patterns, their own deficits in their nervous system. And I love that nervous system health is becoming a, a bigger conversation. And you see all these exercises like on social media and about regulating your nervous system. And I think that that's wonderful. But know that those exercises are not always gonna be the right exercise for your nervous system. And that there's no way that one thing is going to impact everybody the same way. And so we have to know how to how to dose the intervention appropriately. We have to know how to read how our nervous system is responding to something. And then we have to have a, a big toolkit to know if this isn't working, what can I do here? How can I change this here? And so that just takes a, a certain level of education about how to work with your nervous system that I, I do think it helps to have guidance with. I like that you're, um, I think this is a great segue into a really important topic that I, I want to make sure we have time to discuss um, around how, you know, the nervous system is getting more attention and this is great conversations that we can start having because it's really impactful work. Similarly, the word trauma is a really popular word right now. And I, I want to better understand if we can, I want to better understand that because some people are going to listen to this and say, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me. I don't have any real trauma. Mm -hmm. So how do we dissect the popularity and the buzzword? What is trauma? Do any of us escape trauma? Like people don't have any, or I just would love for you to spend just a few minutes on that so we can better, we can get all on the same page around what we're talking about here. Okay. So from a neurosomatic perspective, Trauma is the protective response that occurs in the body and the nervous system with perceived threat. And that it's not the incident itself. There can be like big T trauma. You have a trauma incident that's really easy to see, but it's, it's actually not the incident itself. It's how our body has adapted, how our nervous system and our brain and our body have adapted because of the event. And then it's the, the reaction that keeps occurring inside the nervous system and the body because of the way that it's been shaped by that experience. Mm -hmm. And so it can be a big experience, 
Um, it can also be a chronic stress experience. It can be a lot of little instances of, you know, growing up in a place where you didn't feel seen or heard or supported emotionally. It could be years and years and years of emotional repression because you weren't allowed to express your feelings. And so the body's been holding all of that stress inside and that has repatterned the nervous system differently. Mm. Um, it, it, it can be so many different things. And it lives in the now. Trauma lives in the now. It lives in the present. It's the way that our body and our nervous system is responding to our world because of how we've been shaped by these different stressors over time. Can you just say one more time? Trauma isn't the event. It is the response. It's how our, yeah, it's how our body and nervous system have adapted in response to a perceived threat. And, and the perception there is really important too, right? So like when you because... say that, you could mean like you could be going through something and I could be going through the exact same thing, but our nervous system's response to that could be very different and yours could be no big deal and mine could be traumatic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that also has to do with like, what's the capacity level of our nervous system, right? When I go into that, I, I have a different capacity than someone else to handle a stress. I have a different perception, but I also have a real different physical capacity based on my own nervous system deficits, based on my developmental history. And all of that is shaping how I'm going to respond to events now and whether that's gonna have a really big impact on on my behaviors, on my thoughts, on, on my perception of the world. What an important opportunity to remind all of us to hold so much space and compassion for others because we truly do not know what someone's perceived uh, threat or their nervous system capacity is. And so we all go through life like projecting what we think how other people should react, what we think they should be capable of doing what we perceive their trauma is maybe we minimize that right like that's really not our job to do that because what i hear you saying is that all of us could go through the same experience have a very different perceived uh reaction to that experience based on a number of different factors and have different capacity for reacting to that so there's no one size fits all around what is traumatic or what our capacity to handle life is. Everyone's is uniquely different. And it's almost impossible to understand all the pieces of a person yeah. to be able to understand that. So the best thing that we can do is just understand that idea mm -hmm. and hold space and compassion because we live in a culture that is just like, you should be able to do this. And why are you so, why are you overreacting? And why, are, you yeah. know, we just shut each other down. I love that. Cause oh. I, I was thinking about this in the very beginning of you know, when our habits that we don't necessarily like doing are related to this unregulated nervous system, if we can all recognize that in ourselves, then we should be able to cultivate a little bit of compassion for ourselves and for yeah. the people around us. So I, I, I felt that too, big time. Like, uh, let's all just let people uh, be who they are and, and go through this process and support each other, uh, you know, together. So that's beautiful. Such incredible takeaways today. I, f I feel like just acknowledging. I feel traumatized. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, just, just the idea. Please, I have identity traumatized. <laughs> just the idea that our body holds such infinite wisdom to various experiences growing up and just the notion that we can explore that a little bit further to get 
real kind of nervous system regulation I think is really important and then also the idea of just holding space for one another to understand that nobody's life experience is the same and we can't project onto others what we think they should be experiencing is really valuable so before I let you go we got to ask the big we shape question here which is uh, what's an old belief that you have shed that has impacted your life in a really big way I think the biggest belief that I have worked with is the idea that like I'm broken or damaged, um, you know, having, having a high score, having a lot of outputs of my nervous system. I have autoimmune and, um, emotional reactivity have been diagnosed with many different mental health things throughout my life and as an adolescent. And so I carried that deep belief of, um, you know, being really broken, especially in terms of like relationship, Mm. um, being able to connect with other people and have intimate, healthy relationships. And as I have learned to work with my nervous system and process my emotions and increase my capacity, I have found a tremendous amount of, of hope in that. And also understanding that everything I was experiencing it made so much sense, right? Like it was my body and my nervous system working to protect me, protect me in attachment, protect me in a physical sense as well to keep me regulated. And that there was nothing wrong with me for the emotional reactions that I was having after years of repressed emotions and all those things. It was just my body and my nervous system doing the best that it could to, to keep me alive. And, and there's ways to work with the system so that I can have a new experience. I really appreciate your vulnerability there, Elizabeth, because I think that a lot of people think that thought and it's scary to say it out loud. And so I commend your vulnerability and ability to share that so that other people can cling to the hope and get the tools that you've had as well. So thank you again for joining us. I'd love uh, for you to let our listeners know where they can find you. Yeah, the best place to find me is actually freeneurotrial.com. And you can get two free weeks of nervous system training, two free week trial of the nervous system training so that you can learn a lot more tools um, and start to work through a little series that'll teach you how to assess and reassess what works for your nervous system, give you a bunch of free tools, and you can just get started there with beginning that relationship with your nervous system, beginning that daily nervous system hygiene practice. Wonderful. I'm signing up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. We really loved having you on this episode. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was an honor to be here. Wonderful. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.